Backstories is an annual multi-sited storytelling festival located in the suburbs of Perth and beyond. Produced by the team at Centre for Stories, Backstories gives community members the chance to spend an afternoon with friends and family in the comfort of a neighbour's backyard and enjoy hearing local music and stories from trained storytellers. Backstories was possible with generous support from our sponsors, Lottery West, the Department of Local Government, Sport and Cultural Industries, and the Centre for Stories Founders Circle. This is a live recording from our Backstories event located in the suburb of Hammersley, recorded on the 6th of March 2021. This afternoon featured live music from Alana Fay and emceeing from Mason Velios. The story you're about to hear is from Prunella. Um, I just wanted to start my story with uh, uh, sharing a prose that I wrote in 2019 and it's called uh, The Bridge and it starts like this. On a whim, just to surprise you, I cl- climbed up the rope pyramid. The coarse worn rope in my hands, the sun in my eyes, I strained as I finally reached precariously higher and stood at the top. I felt mischievous and bold. Why? Just to make you smile. See that surprise, awkward wave as you saw me, looked up and saw me somewhere out of the ordinary. But when I looked down at you, smaller by perspective, you were not looking my way. I waved anyway, several times, but, and I willed you to turn to see me. But there you were, lost in your own world, happily playing. I felt joy and sadness at the same time. So I paused. I looked out across weather-beaten rooftops, down quaint railway tracks, across forests, looking back on my life and waited and waited for your face to turn, for your eyes to meet mine, to search for me as you once did. But I then realised that it was not me you were looking for, No longer was I the centre of your games, your life, your thoughts, your heart. I remembered then how I'd spoken and not been heard, how I'd cried and had gone unnoticed. Her time spent with me was no longer that magical sparkle it once been, how you had looked through me once again. So beaten, I climbed down. The sun was still shining, the children still laughed, Later, I would tell you the story, leaving out the meaning, and you would say, I'm sorry, Mum, not understanding that everything had changed and yet nothing had changed. You were growing up, my son, but your mum will watch over you with love, always. So it was we entered 2020 um, with a plan for travel. Uh, we're, our family are great travellers and we started a tradition where when our, uh, each of our sons turned 13, they could um, personalise a trip that, of their own choosing, uh, including choosing the destination. 2020 was a year my son Ruben turned 13 and, and he uh, chose Japan. It was a logical choice for him because when he was young, he'd like Pokemon and Japanese manga and a lot of the Japanese culture. And when he hit high school, he decided to study the Japanese language. So um, it was a great choice because neither I or him had ever been to Japan and it was going to be just, just the two of us. So we started planning. Uh, we bought AirAsia tickets, we uh, bought a Japanese rail pass and uh, we started to book uh, organise accommodation. We um, are part of this uh, 
hospitality club that's global called Couchsurfing. And what Couchsurfing is, it's sort of, it's breaking down barriers by creating friendships across the world with no money involved. So basically, we booked a series of um, accommodations across Japan, staying with local families and local people. Um, and uh, so besides uh, one night staying in a capsule hotel and one night staying in a traditional wooden machia, which is in Kyoto, uh, the rest of the time we were just staying with local people. So it was uh, yesterday, one year ago, we were standing in front of the Sensoji Temple on our first morning in Tokyo. Uh, it is the oldest and m most traditional of all the temples in Tokyo. We were standing under the Red Thunder Gate, which was originally built in 941 AD, and in its middle hung a huge paper lantern, red, black and gold, and as big as a minibus. On four sides of us, there stood uh, Shinto uh, statues that were bigger than houses. I watched as Ruben walked through and he picked, he, he placed in a small donation, he picked up a small wooden box. In this wooden box, there was some sticks and at the base of the box was a small hole. He shook the box and out dropped a stick which had a Japanese number on it. He took that number and he uh, opened a corresponding drawer and pulled out a piece of paper. And uh, this is a tradition in Japan called omakuji. And it is kind of like storytelling. Basically, it's a prediction of whether your hopes will come true. Uh, it usually happens. Most, pe most people in Japan always do it at New Year's. Anyway, I'm sad to say I watched Ruben's face drop because the fortune he got was a bad one. It was a bit ominous because we know what comes next. <laughs> but so basically, um, the Japanese, being very wise, have a way of dealing with all this. What they do is they, you, you roll up the piece of paper into a small long strip and you tie it by the temple. And in that way, if you have a bad fortune, you, you can secure it to the temple and you can leave it behind you. So that's exactly what we did. And we set off on this trip. Um, it was a whirlwind trip. I think in the end we covered about over 5,000 kilometres by rail. Um, some of the highlights include a few days at the beginning and end in the madness of Tokyo. Uh, we spent two days in a, a camper van that was arranged by a couchsurfing host and we went up into the mountains and saw some snow. We remember the majesty of the snow-capped Mount Fuji through the window of the Shinkansen as we sped along to Nagoya. We saw magnificent castles like the famous Hamiji Castle and um, Japanese gardens, of course. We also explored a lot of the history. We, we walked some of the trails uh, following in the footsteps of the Edo period um, shogun and, of course, revisited the horrors of Hiroshima. During this trip, which was absolutely amazing, I saw changes in Reuben. Um, I really like this quote by... Uh, Gail Levine, who's an American youth writer, and she says that teenage is like a bridge. In front of you lies adulthood, and you've, you've just come from childhood. The bridge is made of wood, and as you walk across it, it burns. And I saw this in Reuben, like I saw him start feeling shy and unconfident, and as his confidence grew, he started reading Japanese, uh, helping me to read Japanese menus, um, listening to announcements made on the train and understanding some of it. 
starting to talk to people, uh, local people and form relationships. And I was so proud of him. But at the same time, I felt that pang because I knew that he was leaving behind that childhood innocence that he'll never be able to return to. Another thing that, that changed was obviously a growing pandemic was happening. When we left, there'd been inklings of it, but uh, st we started to see more masks on people. We st I remember a time we visited a host and uh, he took us to meet his mum and we were standing in the garden and the, the paper screen uh, wound back and there she was like in, a, in light in the, in the darkness and she bowed down to us and we bowed, but, you know, she was a distance away and they weren't letting us get any closer. The real difference in Japan compared to like some of the chaos I saw on television at that time with the panic buying and everything that was going on here is they have a real sense of community. Uh, their elderly comes first and then their community and then their families and themselves. So it was really peaceful. And although I had lots of messages from home saying, you really should come back now, you know, it's, you know, Japan was just so peaceful. It's hard to describe. There were things that were closed, but it was, it was really peaceful there. So we, we left it until our planned departure on the 18th of March, went down to Haneda Airport to get on the, on the plane and they said there's going to be a two-hour delay, fair enough, AirAsia. So we waited and then unfortunately there was another announcement saying, unfortunately the Malaysian border had closed that morning and so the flight would not depart. So after further inquiry, they said, what we're going to do is we'll get you guys and all the other people tomorrow on one plane in the morning and we'll We'll get you out. And I said, I said, is there going to be any problem trans transiting Malaysia? And they said, no, it'll be fine. So fair enough. We put our luggage in the, in, in the Nita lockers and we booked some accommodation. And as it worked out, it was across the other side of town. And it was only about 30 minutes walk from where we'd started at Sensoji Temple. So we got up in the morning, looked around, but then we got a text message and it said, your flight is cancelled, your morning flight is cancelled. So it was really starting to grow on us that there was a bit of panic there. After many discussions, especially with my husband, Graham, you know, he was sort of pretty much, you've got to get on a flight. It has to be directly to Australia. You know, you can't take a cheaper flight. You've just got to get home, you know. Uh, the Australian government have issued a warning that Australians should start coming home. So he said, I found a flight that goes to Perth via Melbourne and I've booked it for you. You guys got to get on it. So then we were faced with this dilemma. We were on one side of Tokyo and uh, Haneda was in the other side of Tokyo and Narita now where our, our plane was about to leave was again across Tokyo and, and on the outskirts in another direction. So then became a harrowing trip, uh, uh, going through the labyrinth of Tokyo and all the, the trains in a spaghetti-like maze and uh, yeah, going, trying to get a flight. And uh, that's when I really saw Ruben, you know, uh, step up and all the skills that he learnt on the trip really came to the fore. You know, he was telling us which platform to be on and in between we were waiting for trains. You know, he would be clicking selfies in front of Tokyo 2020 Olympics posters. <laughs> and the, the good thing is that, you know, we made the flight and um, we arrived home a day later than we expected and one day before the Australian borders closed. Phew, in the nick of time. So that's the story of our journey, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to finish this story without going back to the fortune that Reuben read and telling you what it said. It said, your request will not be granted. Whatever you lost will not be found. And it's a bad idea to start a trip. 
<laughs> but here we are, we'd hurtled through Japan in a pandemic. We'd grown as individuals and most importantly, we've grown together. Thank you for listening to my story. Thank you for listening. Centre for Stories is a not-for-profit organisation with charitable status. Our team is small and nimble and we love what we do. To help us continue doing what we love, consider a small donation. You can donate at centreforstories.com.